0: We're in Exodus chapter 12 together today. This is week three, day two of our study through the book of Exodus. And in some ways, these chapters of Exodus that we're walking through right now, 10, 11, 12, they give you sort of a spiritual whiplash. You go straight from the horrible plagues to the holy ceremony of the Passover. God's judgment and God's love are both revealed here. In fact, they're both a part of God acting to set his people free. And in some ways, that's true of my life in your life. God has to judge that which is binding you, but he also has to show you his love so that you can be drawn to him. And in their case, the way that God, God's love was revealed in their life was by an action of faith. We're going to see as we read through this chapter, God had them put some blood on the doorposts of their houses. And why did he have them do that? The hand of God in history is so clear at points like this chapter. The blood on those doorposts looked forward to a day one day when the blood of Jesus would be given, would be shed on Calvary, would be given on a cross. It looked forward to that day when Jesus would give his blood for you and give his blood for me. That's all through the Bible. The blood of Christ is the power of God's sacrificial love. And you need God's love in order to be set free. Human love has the power to make you feel, but God's love alone has the power to set you free. Human love has the power to make you feel, but God's love has the power to set you free. And in Jesus' blood, we get this clear, unmistakable declaration of God's love for you. He loves you so much that he's willing to send his son to give his life for you. And it's when you and I accept the meaning of that blood that was shed for us on the cross. We trust in the one who loved us enough to do that, that we truly understand the power behind being set free. So as we walk through this chapter today, Exodus chapter 12, we're going to see in the pictures of Exodus chapter 12 what God is looking forward to and what he's going to do in Christ. God set all this up. He told them how to do the Passover, what to do in the Passover. First there were the plagues that broke the heart of Egypt and now there's a Passover that opens the heart of Israel to the God who loves them. Freedom involves more than just breaking the chains of Satan It also means taking up the purposes and the love of God in your life. It's not enough just to remove the negative influences. You have to have a positive faith, a positive experience with the love of God. For the Israelites, this positive faith was expressed in a ceremony called the Passover that recognized what happens in this chapter. For us, that positive trust is found in the faith in the one who fulfilled the Passover. We're going to see these verses as we walk through this chapter. There are some pictures that I want us to look together at in Exodus chapter 12. The Passover lamb, first picture. The blood that was put on the doorpost, the second picture. And the unleavened bread. We could look at more pictures than that, but we don't have enough time. We're going to look at those three today. First, the Passover lamb. Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, and then verse 5 and 10. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. The animals you choose must be year-old males without any defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Do not leave, and later he's, he's talking about eating the meal. He says in verse 10, do not leave any of it until morning. If some of it is left until morning, you must burn it. So God's giving them directions for this meal they're to take to recognize what happened in the Passover with the Passover lamb. You remember what happened. God said, put blood on the doorposts of your house. And when that sign of faith was seen, the angel of death that came over the land of Egypt passed over those houses. But if there was not blood on the doorpost, in those houses the firstborn died. And God says here, here's the kind of lamb that you're supposed to take the life of in order to look forward to and look back to what I'm doing in your life. And look at what this lamb was like. It was to be unblemished. In fact, it was to be proven to be unblemished by this four-day wait from the 10th to the 14th of the month. It was unblemished because God didn't want them offering to him that which was a leftover or good for nothing else. Second, it was to be valuable. It was a male lamb, only one year old. It wasn't the oldest lamb. It was a young lamb that Was a strong lamb. God didn't want them offering to him that which essentially cost them nothing or was of no value. And third, we see they were to eat all of it in verse 10. It wasn't like our Thanksgiving where we have turkey sandwiches for two weeks after Thanksgiving. They didn't have lamb sandwiches for two weeks after the Passover. The celebration was to be fulfilled that night, all at once. Now, why were these directions so clear? Because God is looking forward to what He's going to do in Christ. One of the first testimonies given about Jesus and all that he would do is right here in this chapter. We see the testimony of what he would do for us on the cross. When you think about the Lamb of God, and Jesus is called the Lamb of God. That's what John the Baptist called him. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what he's called in the book of Revelation. What kind of a lamb is he to be? Well, 1 Peter 1.19 says he's to be unblemished, unblemished by sin. So just as this lamb was unblemished, Jesus matches that. He's a valuable lamb, obviously. He's the only son of God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The value of God himself coming to this earth, inestimable valuable. And when it came to this lamb, there's also a picture in that they had to, in that day, eat all of the lamb. It's a picture of how you and I receive Christ into our lives. You receive him wholly or not at all. There's no in-between with Jesus. Oh, I'll take part of Jesus. He's either God or he's not. His blood is either shed for your forgiveness or it's not. That's why eating all of it was stressed to the Jews because God knew that one day Jesus would fulfill this symbol. And with Jesus, it is all or nothing in relationship with him, the Lamb of God. You also see in the picture of this chapter of Exodus, the blood that spread on the doorpost of the houses, the blood from this lamb. Listen to what happens in verses 22 and 23. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the doorframe. Not one of you shall go out the door of his house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe and he will pass over that doorway. He will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. You look at what happened in this first Passover. They took some blood and they placed it above the doorpost with a hyssop branch. That was a sign of their faith. They were trusting God to keep his promise. And God said, I will pass over your homes based on that faith. Their faith resulted in grace. The calamity that came upon all the rest of Egypt did not happen in these households. And beginning here and down through Israel's history, God's going to use blood as a symbol again and again and again as a symbol of his forgiveness. Why? Because he's preparing the world to understand what's going to happen on the cross. that The blood of Christ is going to be shed, given for you and me. That forgiveness comes through his blood. It's a picture of what's going to happen with Christ. The blood of the lamb, the blood of Christ. His blood is mentioned over 50 times in the New Testament. We sing of his blood in a lot of our hymns, a lot of our songs. Why is blood so important? Well, in one sense, the blood of Christ is placed on the doorpost of your life, not with a hyssop branch, but by faith, by trust in Christ. And that blood is a sign. It's a spiritual sign. It's not actually placed. It's a spiritual sign for God to pass over, to pass over your sin, to pass over your guilt, That's the power that's in the blood of Christ. It's the power of life. It's the power of forgiveness. That's what was happening in this first Passover. God's looking forward to what's going to happen in Christ. That's why his directions are so exact. You have the Lamb of God. You have the blood on the doorpost. And there's a third picture that we want to look at today here in this chapter of Exodus. And that is the bread that was given for eating, the unleavened bread. Listen to verses 15 to 17. For seven days, you're to eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast from your houses. For whoever eats anything with yeast in it from the first day to the seventh must be cut off from Israel. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly. And then another one on the seventh day. Do no work at all on those days except to prepare food for everyone to eat. That is all that you may do. Celebrate the feast of unleavened bread because it was on this very day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. So here you have unleavened bread, bread without yeast in it, an important part of the Passover, a very important part of the Passover. Anyone who did not do this was to be cut off from Israel. God's saying, this is extremely important to me. Why is it so important? Not only did it remind them of their readiness to leave Egypt, they didn't put leaven in the bread because they didn't have time for the dough to rise. They had to flee from Egypt, but it also It also reminds us. God knew that one day it would remind us of what he does in our lives through Christ. This isn't just about unleavened bread. The New Testament says it's about, in essence, unleavened lives. In 1 Corinthians 5, verse 8, listen to this verse. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. Here, Paul's talking about our lives, how this picture of the Passover then fits with our lives today. The leaven of malice, of wickedness, is to be taken out of our lives. Here's the picture, after the Passover came this festival of unleavened bread. And here Paul notes that the lamb has already been sacrificed, the Passover is already done. Jesus was sacrificed on the cross, so we're living in the time of the festival. So now it's time for us to live unleavened lives. Because of what Jesus has done for us. What are unleavened lives? He says, it's the bread of sincerity, of truth. You live a life of sincerity. No outside motives in your relationship with God. It's a motive of love. The influence of Christ's love in your life. A life of truth. Telling the truth, living the truth. That's the kind of life that he has for us. So you see, as we walk through this chapter, this Passover has been fulfilled in Christ. It's fulfilled in Christ, but the question is, is it fulfilled in you? It took faith for Israel to spread blood above the doorposts. Faith in something that they did not yet totally understand. And it takes faith to trust in Christ. Now, you say, I don't understand it all. I still don't understand all that it means that God would love me that much. But I do understand he died on a cross. And I do understand he's offering me the gift of grace, of forgiveness. And the question is, what are you going to do with what you do understand? The people of Israel, they did understand God was saying, put blood here, and they did it, and God gave them grace. Jesus is offering you the gift of forgiveness. Have you accepted it? You may not understand a lot of other things. First, begin with, what do you understand? Accept that gift of grace, and then let God bring the rest of the understanding along with it. Right now as we pray, if you're not sure you've ever prayed, or maybe you know you never really have prayed for forgiveness, be sure today. Say, Jesus Christ, thank you for giving your life for me. I ask for forgiveness. I thank you that you'll pass over my sins based on your gift of grace, based on your sacrifice of blood. I ask for forgiveness. And I want to live an unloving life. I want to live a life of sincerity, of truth. Show me how to live that way. Teach me how to live for you. In your name I pray, amen.